I'm uh, JP Giblin. I'm live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm right now just a full-time professional athlete running with the ultra elite team. And yeah, just won Leadville. <laughs> yeah, you won Leadville in a, a hot year. So it's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump too much into Leadville, um, let's give a little, a little bit of background on like where you came from, what you do, because we didn't, we never really met at Bandera this year, but I did a little film out there and um, you were a big part of it. You won a golden ticket. So let's talk briefly about that in States and then Leadville. Yeah. So um, going into Bandera, I'm trying to remember. Um, it seems that most of my good races come after kind of disappointing races for me. And so, um, I went into Bandera this year, um, pretty low expectations. I felt like, well, here, this is what I remember going back to Leadville in, um, of last year, last year's Leadville when I got second place, I was still an amateur runner, um, kind of just started pursuing, wanted to be a professional in the sport. Um, and I just got second place at Leadville behind Adrian McDonald and his really amazing performance there. I think the third fastest time in history. And after I got second in Leadville, I thought it would kind of, um, bust doors down. Like I thought people would be, um, pursuing me for athletic contracts, sponsorships, things like that. I also won the Leadman competition. And so I thought, okay, like offers are me coming. Um, you know, this, this will be the big break for me in the sport, but it was just radio silence. Like absolutely nothing came. I was working at, you know, as a retail job at REI and, um, you know, it was a retail site. Like it just wasn't very fulfilling for me. And so I, I fell into this kind of like real imposter syndrome in that, like, maybe I don't have what it takes to make it in this sport. Maybe, you know, I, I, I got pretty negative with myself. And so I thought, you know, um, I was on the break room one day. I'm like, you know, I'll just sign up for Bandera hundred K and see what I could do there. And so I signed up, there was a wait list. There was like 20 people long. And I remember getting in the next day, signing up. I'm like, all right, I think it was maybe in three weeks or something. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll drive down to Texas and and uh, do this race. And so I went down there with pretty low expectations. Um, um, I don't, I, actually expectations, this isn't the right word. I was going there with no pressure on myself. Like I just wanted to go out there and um, going for the golden ticket was the number one goal, but I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I'd only done 100 K before and I was just going driving down there two days before and was going to race and then drive back. Um, so, I mean, the result speaks for itself. I went in there and won a golden ticket. Um, and that, that's when the, the door started opening. Um, I got, you know, contacted by shoe brands and went with ultra. And after that, um, you know, the imposter syndrome kind of went away. Um, and I kind of jumped into things a little quickly after that i was kind of on cloud nine with um 
getting that golden ticket. And I thought, you know, why not race three weeks after at Black Canyon's 100K? (laughs) So that was not the smartest decision because I ended up injuring myself um, and having to DNF that um, race. Um, So jumped in a little too quickly, um, had to deal with an injury for about a good month. And then finally um, got back to work in um, to training for Western States. Um, and so that was kind of the main a goal race of the year for sure. I mean, Western States, it's one of the biggest races of the year. Um, and it was an absolute dream to uh, get into that race from the golden ticket. I always would tell people that, you know, lottery systems are there for a reason, but I don't really like the chance of the lottery systems. And so I would tell people the only way I'm going to get into Western States is if I uh, get a golden ticket. <laughs> and that's what I ended up doing. So that was number uh, a goal there realized. So get to Western States, pretty good buildup. But I mean, I'll get into this a little later. The training was not as... Uh, intense or thoughtful um or as precise as i wanted to be i kind of fell into a strava uh trap of looking at everyone else's trainings and doing things like 100 plus mile weeks just to do 100 plus mile weeks um, not getting a lot of intensity not getting a lot of quality um running on a tired body a lot of the times um because i'm self-coached i really just didn't really know what i was doing <laughs> And so on top of maybe being overcooked for Western States, I was just kind of also overwhelmed with everything that was going on um, with the meat is kind of big media circus, um, all the huge names. And I just kind of was super intimidated going into that race. I was on that start line and I was thinking there's, no way I could, should be running with these guys. I didn't take any risks. I was very passive all day. Um, I was betting on others to fail and blow up um, rather than for myself to succeed. And so I felt like I was just lackadaisical through all of Western states. I f- felt like I didn't do anything. I just ran it. I didn't race it. I just ran it. And so finishing that race, I was happy to do it, but not satisfied with the result that I had. And so I thought, okay, I have Leadville coming up here. Um, took Recovered very quickly from Western States. Um, you know, I've heard things from it was being a cool year, people recovered faster to maybe I just thought I didn't push myself hard enough. And that's what I'm going with is that I really didn't push myself hard enough. And so I was recovered and running again the next week. Um, And then had about a month, maybe a little less than a month to kind of just do some real quality um, to get the legs ready for Leadville. And I really did not focus on the mileage as much as the quality that I was getting in. 
So I would do about 80 to 85 miles, but I'd do three, about three workouts where me and my pacer um, for Leadville, Nick Noon, would go to like the Indian Peaks Wilderness out just by Ned and just do absolute, pretty much just threshold VO2s all the way up peaks. We would just go as far as we could up these 13,000 foot peaks and then just take it pretty easy on the way down. But it felt really good to actually push my body in a way that I hadn't for um, training up to Western States. And I feel like doing that real quality, hard efforts um, prepared my body well for um, Leadville coming up. Um, so sorry, if you want to interject on anything, just let me know. But I'm getting up to Leadville now and um, just going into Leadville, the mindset was a lot more relaxed. I mean, I live in Boulder, and so it was just a two-hour drive up to Leadville. I felt super relaxed, didn't have the whole media circus around. I spent, you know, an hour in Leadville before the race and then drove back to Copper just to get, you know, my mind just out of that um, stress area. And I was just super relaxed with my friends and family in, in Copper hanging out until the race and then getting to the race and lining up. I, this was my third time running it. And so I knew the course, which was huge. Um, and I just felt like I told my brother going in, I'm going to race this race. The only thing I want to do is win. And that was, that was the goal to go in is to win. And before, before we jump too far ahead, like I have some questions about that then. So like, yeah, yeah. Your mindsets going into Western States and Leadville were like, seems com like they were completely opposite where yeah. Western was kind of like, you're intimidated, just kind of go out and run the race and not race it necessarily. Whereas Leadville's like, I'm going to go into this relax, but also win it. So like, why was there that different mind shift? Cause like, obviously you were fit going into States. Cause like you want to take it and you're like, you're capable enough to be there. But like, do you think there was some like mental, maybe like hesitations going into States versus Leadville? Yeah, there was a ton of mental hesitations. Um, first of all, it was my first time going to Western States. Um, so I was able to go out and train on the course a bit before, but I kind of listened to everyone else more than myself. Um, every, so many people were like, be conservative. The race starts at mile 60. Um you know, don't go too out too hot, this, that, and the other thing. And it just really got in my mind. And I remember going into the first 50K. I mean, like, what was the stat? Like eight out of the top 10 were settled already within that first 50K. And I mean, the race doesn't start at 100K. It, it starts at the start. You know, I'm, I'm like, that was a lesson learned. Uh, Races start as soon as the gun goes off. Um, you can't count on other people to blow up anymore. Like people are getting too good. The science is there. The nutrition is there for people. They People aren't going into races like Western states expecting to blow up. Um, and just the whole media around it kind of overwhelmed me also. Um the stage itself, I mean, it was just a lot in that first states that I think 
I started doubting myself and overthinking a lot of things. Um, so I just wanted to get rid of that mindset going to Leadville. I knew the race. I knew that I got second there the year before. You know, I've gotten a golden ticket, second place at Leadville, other, you know, local races here I've done well in. And I just had to go in with that belief that, you know, I could win. So, yeah. Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think it's interesting not to get too far off of like, I'm talking about Leadville and stuff, but like, like races like UTMB and States and whatever, they're just like, there's such a media circus every time. And I always think about like the athletes, because I guess I'm part of that doing media as well. Like, I'm like involved in this whole thing, but it's like, it's crazy to me that like athletes sit outside in the sun the day before the race and just like are just drilled with questions and stuff all day like media things and it's like that's exhausting to like have to talk to people and it's like you should be focused on the event not necessarily like just signing posters or just talking to people or whatever no yeah and i mean it is a double-edged sword i mean we want to um get our names and you know sponsors and all that out there as best we can but also there is that pressure that you put on yourself in those media interviews. And I have a rule on race week that I don't listen to any interviews from any <laughs> competitors or anything. Um, sometimes I'm better at that than other times, but it really does become um, just a mind game for sure. Um, Double-edged sword. I mean, I think it's the media has their job. The athletes have their job and you just have to find that, good mixture for yourself and i'm still very new to kind of the exposure of all this um so i'm still figuring it out so yeah i think everybody is because you're right there is a balance there because it's like especially if a company's paying you to run for them it's like well you got to have some sort of return on their investment in you and vice versa and stuff so it all makes sense yeah but yeah um so then let's let's jump over to leadville then so like you started um talking about it a bit but like your goal going into Leadville, was it to win just, or was it just to finish like at States? No, flat out. It, it was to win. Um, I would say, you know, tell myself second place, there's one place to go up and a lot of places to go down. So from the gun, the goal was to be up front and mix it up at front the whole time. Like I wasn't going to let any moves get too far. I wasn't, going to the main goal is to finish the race and not be disappointed in the effort and to know that you went for it um i always kind of talk to my friends and be like you know you hear of all these kind of seeing god like wanting to quit moments in these ultras and i haven't really put through that much of an effort that i've ever been like physically like i I'm done. I really want to quit. And so I wanted to go into Leadville. Like it was either first place or like I was going to be in the medical tent was essentially what it was. That was the ultimatum. And um, yeah, I got that first place and I definitely, it hurt a lot. It was probably the most I've ever hurt in a hundred mile already race really. So, yeah, two goals achieved. I didn't quite see God or end up in the medical tent, but I definitely won. <laughs> I think those are pretty good goals to have and uh, accomplish yeah. those goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's break down the pacing strategy then, because like you were saying, like, 
the race starts when the gun goes off now it's not like kind of hang back and be very conservative because at that point like there's a lot of ground to make up so like did you have a pacing strategy going in of like i'm gonna hit this eight at this time and whatever or was it just kind of like run hard the whole day yeah so i had a um a 17 hour um finished pace chart looking just at last um years of results that 17 hour mark is usually very good for you know a top three position so 17 hour mark which it seemed very more aggressive on the way out than the way in um i was going you know hitting you know within two or three minutes for the first bit um but i wanted to keep that 17 hour mark in my mind um but also, I've kind of shifted the mindset of um, people ask, you know, what time are you looking forward to do? I don't like answering that question anymore because if you have the time in your mind, um, it kind of overshadows the racing aspect of things. And I think a lot of time in these races, if you want to be successful, you just have to race and not think about the time because um, people are going to go make moves. Maybe people are on competition brings out the best in everyone. Um, and so if everyone's racing, uh, you just can't think about the time. You got to erase the people, not the clock. And that's kind of a, a shift that I've made. So even if people were going, you know, for course record time at Leadville, I was going to go with that. Um, and just see what the body could do. So, I mean, soft answer, I had a 17 hour um, goal in mind, um, but that could have easily gone out the window if people were going, you know, course record pace or faster than that, I would have wanted to match it. So yeah, that was kind of the pacing goal in mind. Yeah, is that kind of scary though, to like, I don't know, like to have your goal in mind and know your fitness level, but also think like, man, what if these guys go out really hard and you try to keep up and just blow up with them? Yeah, it's it's scary and it's a risk. Um, I think at a lot of these races, you have to take swings if you want to win. I mean, I think there really is a difference between wanting to win a race versus just podium, getting the podium or a top 10. You really have to take big swings and sometimes you miss most of the time so honestly you miss but once you hit that is that's like sport that is what you're looking for in running in athletics it's you have more bad days than good days but it's like those good days where it clicks and you race you know sometimes outside of your ability you really surprise yourself and um I really felt that at Leadville, you know, racing. I've, I've finished that racing. I raced that race. I didn't just run it. I actually raced it. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if you if you follow like mountain bike racing or bike racing at all, but like Keegan Swenson, who won the Leadville 100 mountain bike race the week prior, like as essentially what he said, he was just like, these are this is my goal, like to set the course record. And I'm going to just like do or die basically like there's no in between for him and i thought that was really interesting and it's like i think as the sport keeps growing up and becomes more competitive like you were saying earlier one you can't just sit back and hope that people blow up but then two it's like you have to go hard and it it really is like win or die like there's not a yeah. lot of in between there if you want to actually win a race 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. And it, it's scary, but um, you really unlock a lot of new levels once you kind of jump into that dark zone. I mean, I really am a big proponent in, we, you know, the mind up here is such a strong thing to have and it can really push the body through a lot of things. I mean, I'm not like, I don't think I'm the most athletically gifted or do the best training or even eat the best or, you know, anything. I just really have a, a mindset that can really push through um, super painful moments. If, if I allow my mind to, to do that and I'm in the right, you know, headspace for it. Totally. Like personally, I think it's like, obviously physicality is important, but like, I think the men- the mental aspect is super interesting. Cause like, like me personally, when I get like frustrated during a race or something, suddenly I'm just like, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. But like, if things are going well and I just kind of ride that high, like I just feel great. And like, I'm, I know it's kind of just like everyone kind of feels that way, but it's like the second I let little things irk me, whether it's in my personal life or training or running or something like that just like demolishes me. So like being able to keep like a positive mindset and like push through those dark times is like, it's such a skill that I think we all know we should have, but I think a lot of times we just think like, Oh, I need my hundred mile weeks to be able to do well. But like, there's so much more than that. Yeah. I mean, um, the perfect example of that from Leadville is I, so going out, I was, you know, I never was less than top three throughout the day. And, um, I had a really low spot after outward bound outbound about like mile 23 or 24. Um, like I felt, I started just feeling like really tired, um, starting to feel really achy, achy. I mean, you're a marathon in, of course it's going to happen, but also my nutrition wasn't sitting very well. My stomach was getting a little, um, icky, just wasn't taking in very calories very well. Um, and then two guys ran by me and I was in third and I'm like, man, like, and they were looking strong and they just kind of dropped me. I'm like, I couldn't match them. And I was starting to think like, okay, well, there it goes, there goes the day. It's not going to go very well. And that happened for about six, seven, eight miles, maybe over 10 miles. And outside of twin lakes on a Colorado trail section, um, I heard the fourth place runner coming up on me and I looked back and, and it was Rob Carr. I mean, legend in the sport. And he was the, his story of winning Western States, um, Leadville and run rabbit run all in that year is like what got ultra running on my radar. And he, I really credit him to getting me in the sport and so they say, don't meet your heroes, but I needed to meet my hero at that time because he came up behind me and he just patted me on the back and said, come on, let's go. And I was so down on myself. But at that moment, like something flipped in my mind, just like that. Let's run with Rob Carr. Let's bring it in twin legs together. Like stop having this pity party, turn the day around, let's go. And I credit that moment to turning my race around and having that reigniting that self-belief that, you know, you belong in this sport, you can run with the best, you're going to go win this race. And it was a super powerful moment for me, like having the guy that got me into the sport, like literally 
pat me on the back and say, come on, let's go. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go win this thing and just got a huge second win. And um, yeah, it was probably the best moment in the sport for me <laughs> was that moment on the Colorado Trail, I have to say. Like, I really hope that this story gets to him somehow. I, I, I want to try to get in contact with him and let him know like how important that moment was. But uh, like Rob Carr is the person that made me win that race, which was pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome man it's like i don't know it's just super interesting rob's such a good dude like he's very quiet but he's a, he's a very very good guy and obviously he can just crush so like the fact that like 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 you're saying like met your hero at a race and yeah. it basically turned your race around like that's that's incredible yeah and after that it was just people said i going into through a stations like i was shooting laser beams out of my eyes like i was so focused <laughs> like there was no distractions it was like a single terminator will going forward <laughs> to to finish it and and bring home the win and yeah it was it was super life changing that moment yeah oh yeah for sure i'm sure he'd love to hear about that too like you could chat about that all day i bet yeah, I'd I'd want to get in contact with him somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. So at that point, then who was in front of you? Do you remember? Yeah, it was um, Reed Burroughs from Canada and Matthew Vera. I believe he spends some time between Leadville or um, Turquoise Lake area and, and Boulder. So mm-hmm. I do my research going into these races. I kind of I know like who the guys are to look out for. And um, as hard as Leadville makes it to see who's running the race, I you know got snippets of who was running, and um, I you know chatted with Reed. Reed was we we spent a lot of miles in the morning together. Um, he was definitely a threat, a, a big threat. Um, Matthew is a very fast fifty k runner, so I knew like you couldn't let them run away with it, but. I think I had the better hundred miler experience um, and having the course knowledge also was very big. And so after um, Twin Lakes, a uh, quick shoe change into some trail shoes and just hiking mode up Hope Pass, I knew it could make up a lot of time from the last year on that section. Um, just if I was consistent and, you know, you can't call it a run, but it's like a fast hike up <laughs> sections that you um, that are flatter. And so I was able to catch Reed just before the top of Hope Pass, before the A station. Um, and I thought, okay, there we go, back in second. You know, you got your groove back, taking calories in. You know, you're drinking well. The stomach has settled down. Um, you're in a good place again. And then went up and over Hope Pass down and the nature of an outback course is you get to see everyone that's coming back right and so i got a time check that i was about 11 minutes back from first place at the top of hope pass and i'm like okay that's very doable um going down to winfield at the 50 mile um you're on this which i consider the worst part of the course is you go down um the back side of hope pass and it's just looks like this three mile four mile slightly uphill winding 
just awful single track. <laughs> you go past Winfield and swoop back around it. It is exposed. It's hot. It's the worst part of the course, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people <laughs> share that. But I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, you know, three miles from still nothing, two miles, one mile. Um, I'm running into Winfield and Matthew's just running out. And I'm like, all right, like game on. Here we go. He is not feeling good if I spent, if I took that much time into him and do a quick A station stop there. Everything filled up, head out. And unfortunately, just about a quarter mile from the A station, he's on the side of the trail. And I think he pulled the plug at that moment. And then I thought, all right, you're in first place. You're now the hunted. It's yours to lose at this point. And um, that's when I just really dialed in and thought, all right, you wanted to race. This is race mode. And so I started really screwing the nails in, um, really going fast on the uphills and taking a lot of risks on the downhills. Um, I fell probably twice going down the backside of Hope Pass in front of people. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> Here's the leader, and I'm just tripping over myself going downhill. Luckily, um, nothing nothing broke but going into um twin lakes the second time it was awesome because all the crews were there uh it was a huge party atmosphere and like i was going in like holy crap you're winning the leadville 100 like let's go huge boost and going on from there um i knew so scott Trayer was in the race also and he was second place behind me and if there's someone you don't want in a race behind you it is scott Trayer <laughs> because he is a closer and he had me running scared for the rest of the race um leaving twin lakes you know me and my pacer had a timer going of how long it would be until we hear the cheer and it was about 16 or 18 minutes within that range of we heard Twin Lakes like erupting with cheering again. I'm like, all right, there's second place. Like he's close. So um, just gas on the pedal the whole way in. And yeah, felt really good the rest of the way. Well, not really good, but you know ran pretty much every step the rest of the way except for up power line and just those awful climbs but um yeah scott and scott had me running scared the rest of the way in yeah scott's definitely a closer that's funny that like i don't know we're talking about now because like on our way back like i was telling before we started recording and my girlfriend and i were out running um out by buena vista um that weekend and we saw him randomly at a gas station, like we were getting gas. And so him and I chatted for a while. Like I know him from Arizona and yeah, like, it was just funny. Like, yeah, he's definitely strong and like, he, he knows what he's doing. So I could see that like, when you mm -hmm. become the prey after being the hunter for so long and then suddenly you have Scott behind you, it's like, oh crap, <laughs> what's going to happen here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, um, it was mine to lose at that point. And I just knew that if I kept running, a consistent pace like me and my pacer were clicking off you know i think the fastest 
mile after um, we were averaging 720s to 730s going down some of those sections. <laughs> and so I was really putting uh, my foot down, trying to get as much gap as I could um, to Scott. Um, and it eventually opened up to a comfortable about like 30 to 33 minute lead with about, I'd say, 24 miles to go. And I thought, all right, you can feel a little bit more comfortable. But once I got up and over, power line the second time um i thought all right just don't blow up don't get any cramps don't get a sick stomach just keep it nice and consistent and smooth and you can run it in for the win definitely and you did yeah yeah <laughs> it, it felt pretty good third time's the charm <laughs> <laughs> definitely no it's rad man it's cool how like all those things came together like I don't because it could have just been another bad day for you, but you, you pulled it together and maybe you can thank Rob for some of that. And then yeah. Yeah, you obviously you ran a smart race and like you knew what you had to do to to win it and not take second or one of the other like thousand places behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just like I wasn't going to settle for anything other than first. Um, I was really committed to if someone caught me. Um I was going to run with them and it was supposed to be a drag race into the finish line. Luckily that didn't happen because that would have been really awful and stressful for all my crew and pacers involved and family. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, uh, I did everything that I wanted to do in terms of execution. I think I handled the heat um, pretty well with stopping at any little Creek or water source, you know, hands and face. Um, and yeah, things just clicked. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like your nutritional strategy then, because mm-hmm. it's like, like high altitude is obviously different than running like low altitude Then the heat plays another like factor in that as well. And like, I'm trying to think like what her name was. That's the woman that won the Leadville mountain bike race. Um, she was saying like her strategy anyways, was to like consume basically as many carbs as she could in the first half of the race. Cause she's like, I know my stomach's going to go South and I'm going to feel like crap. So her yeah. thought was put in as much as possible at the start and then just kind of like ride it out as best as, as she could. And like, obviously it worked well for her, but that's on a bike. So like, what was your nutritional strategy going in? Was it pretty consistent or what did you kind of do for that? Yeah, so my nutritional strategy kind of um, blew up within the first 23 miles of um, the race. I I think I just, I was eating way too much, actually. So every aid station, I had about a refill of 1,100 calories. Um, and I think it just was too much for that effort at the time um it was like 500 calories worth of drink mix and the other were all like gel mixes things like that um and i think it also was the fact that you know a big dinner and maybe a little bit bigger of a breakfast like things just were not sitting very well for the first three to four hours of the race um, maybe that was a good, maybe I would rather at that and have that energy in the first three and four miles and have my body kind of like maybe still digesting it, getting that energy. Um, but I think I was just eating too much for that first 
three to four hours. And also, I mean, the race starts at 4 a.m. And that is a factor in things in the body just is probably not used to consuming that much or going that hard at that time in the morning. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to figure out why I felt so bad those first couple hours. And I think it was just nutritionally. I wasn't, um, I was just doing too much. Um, ginger ale was, uh, a saver out there. Like I just got into an age day. So I'm like, I just need to chug a full of ginger ale. And that usually does um, the trick for the stomach. Um, so once I was able to chug some ginger ale, the stomach started settling down and I started, you know, being able to run um, still some upper GI like burping issues, but um, going into twin lakes, I could finally like eat and drink um, without my stomach feeling bad. Um, and it was mainly liquid calories and gels um, with st- more solid food in the latter half. I actually enjoyed, um, like mashed potatoes were a real go-to. Those were huge. And then for the second half, a lot of caffeine, like Red Bull, Coke, just anything sugary and caffeine. It was like, um, super fuel. Um, and then I also found that, um, instead of doing two bottles of pure, like electrolyte formula, I would do one with electrolyte, one with water, because I found that, you know, you just have to drink just pure good old water at points because I don't know why maybe the electrolytes does something to the, I'm not a nutritionist or a scientist, but I just feel better if I have one of each later on, um, and maybe the way the body absorbs it is different, but I felt a lot better once I was drinking just straight water at some point too. So in terms of like, if people want like the nitty gritty of like numbers, I'm not that guy. Like I don't really have it. Like I want a hundred grams of carbs an hour. Like sometimes I'm just like, I'm eating like three <laughs> gels at a time. Other times I'm, just drinking sometimes I go a full hour without eating or drinking anything and it's kind of chaotic but um that's kind of the way races go sometimes and um that's how it went for Leadville definitely I think like listening to your body is super important and like being hyper focused on like I need whatever say 90 grams of carbs an hour can like be very detrimental because it's like well now i'm throwing up or now i have gi issues or something yeah well then it can go into a a mental spiral and if you're like oh i didn't get that x amount of carbs or calories an hour oh what about this next hour oh oh, i'm not feeling good it's good it's like it can really spiral and um if you know if you're really on top of that nutrition stuff good on you the more power to you but I think things like that, it just doesn't work well for me. Um, I'm not that regimented in my racing and maybe that'll change. Maybe if I find like a coach or a nutritionist that like really dials it in and like we find something that works, maybe they'll level up my game. Maybe I'm just, you know, missing a piece of the puzzle there probably, but um, right now it's what works for me. So (laughs) it's what I've been doing. I mean, like, if it works, it works, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> can't yeah. argue against that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of me really gravitated towards, I came from a triathlon background. Um, 
And I kind of just fell away from the sport because it became very numbers focused. You know, it it kind of went away from racing with, you know, your heart to being just super like looking at watts or carbs per hour or paces in the swim. And I just wasn't having fun with it anymore. I think I remember coming back and the last triathlon I did, I was doing training sessions for it and people were doing like the lactate threshold tests, like pricking ears. And I'm like, this just, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> like if it's super science-based now, which, you know, it's cool, right? Numbers and geese, but that just wasn't my jam anymore. And so I gravitated a lot more towards ultra running because I think at a certain point, um, the physicality of it, like, like it, it transcends the physical and goes towards the mental. And if you don't have that heart or that head to race those last 20, 30 miles, um, I think there's just kind of like an untangible, just unmeasurable thing that ultras have. Um, and so I'm not very scientific or, um, rigid in a lot of my approaches to, um, racing and it works for me. So that's just what I like doing. Yeah. It is interesting. Like within like cycling and triathlon, just how, like, it's just so interesting. It's like, okay. Like this is my wattage, like per kilogram or whatever. And then they extrapolate all these data sets and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they almost essentially know who's going to win a race before yeah. the race even starts. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, well, this person's going to win because he can do this meters uh, per minute uh right at this watts and then run this pace off the bike like mm -hmm. so that's the winner right there <laughs> and yeah it just kind of really turned me off to the to the sport yeah i could i can see that like personally like i think both of them are fascinating in their own ways but i can see how like being so structured could just cause burnout like if you're constantly thinking like this is my watch so this workout sucked because i missed this because of this and that it's like man, like, that's crazy. It's like, it's not even fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, ultras, it just had, it just throws in so many more variables in it that, um, you can, you can have all the numbers and data in the world, but I think there is just this untangible kind of heart or head that you have to have to be successful at the sport. Definitely. And I think like within ultras specifically, like problem solving comes into the mix too. Whereas like, in a bike race like yeah you may get a flat or have a mechanical issue but that kind of just ruins your race at that point but like within running or ultras specifically like yeah you could have like you're saying upset stomach 24 miles in or something and then your race completely changes because of like rob Carr comes by or something and like yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I think it's super cool it's like different type of, of mental toughness and fortitude and it, it's cool to see that and i think there's a place for it like for everybody like if you if you like the numbers game that's cool if you don't that's cool if you like being outside that's cool and it's like whatever it's a cool thing about um cycling and running in general yeah i mean i found it was it's a hard lesson to learn but you know in the age of social media and you know stravas and seeing everyone else's training you kind of like see the courtney's or the tom evans or the you know whoever the greatest are at the moment and like what they're doing is working for them. So it must work for me or something, but you just got to find what works for you. And sometimes, you know, that really structured approach does it, or sometimes just the being able to 
go out on a run and having no idea what you're going to do for the day, it works for people too. So um, yeah, they just can't get too hyper-focused on other people. And it's a lesson that I, I had to learn. Yeah. Like, not that I'm like running an elite level by any means, but like, I've basically been off Strava the past year or so. And like, I'll, I'll put like my races and stuff on there, but it's like kind of nice. You just kind of show up to a race and you're not like, you don't have any mental blocks in your head. You're just like, okay, I'm fit. And this is what I'm going to do. And not thinking yeah. like, oh, so-and-so ran this this morning or yesterday. So they're going to win or whatever. So you can just kind of go and run your thing and do what you want to yeah. do. Yeah, it's 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 something it's a hard thing you gotta learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess teach their own, right? Because I know a lot of people really like love that. They love seeing other people's training because then they can base yeah. theirs off of that. But like personally for me, I'm like, oh, that's stressful to like oh, think about that. I, I love Strava. All my workouts on Strava. So <laughs> I'm guilty of poison. Hopefully, like, I mean. Maybe I'm playing mind games with people too. Maybe if people, sometimes it's like, well, if I'm looking at other people, they must be looking at my Strava. And so yeah. like, they may, but it's, you have to have a balanced outlook on it. Just like anything. I have fun with it. Yeah. And if it's fun for you, then it's like, cool. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, as we kind of like start wrapping up here, um, I know you kind of just gave like a big tape, takeaway from Leadville, but like, what do you think is one of your biggest takeaways from winning Leadville this year? Oof. Um, well, I go through these peaks and valleys. I think like any runner or high performing athlete does of, you know, I think all of our best friends is good old imposter syndrome coming in. Um, and there are more bad days than good days in the sport. But like when you find that really magical day, like Leadville, it really lights, you know, the fire back under you and really gives you that confidence and belief that um, you can do really hard things and you can race with the best in the sport. Because, you know, any high performing athlete will tell you they want to be the best at the sport. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate, but in a lot of these ultras or really any endurance event, people really only remember the champion, like second place, third place. Like a lot of the times people can't even remember who got that. And so when you're lining up in the line, people are lying if they say they, you know, Oh, I'd be happy with a second or third place. You, you want to win. Like there people are lying. If they say, uh, or just being too humble or like you want to win the race and that's what you go out to there to do and um having that belief that you could do it is is the number one goal so yeah it's uh it's i don't want it to sound too cocky but it wasn't like a surprise to me just because i knew that i was going to win it and the mindset was there and that was everything so yeah mindset you can really achieve anything. Yeah, definitely. And I think just in this hour-ish conversation, you've definitely shown that, like from your mindset going into Western States and then going into Leadville. It's like, you just, yeah. So that perfectly sums up, I think, uh, what we talked about today. Yeah, and hopefully I get, sometimes it takes getting your butt kicked, uh, you know, <laughs> getting, getting back out there. And Western States was a great lesson in like just getting absolutely humbled and getting my butt kicked and being like all right i never want to feel that feeling of 
losing that bad again. And yeah, um, showed up at Leadville and made sure it didn't happen. <laughs> nice. So now that you can uh, finally walk downstairs a little bit again, um, what's on your mind now for your next event? Oh, I, I really want to get back to Western States next year. Um, so I'll probably be doing a couple of golden ticket races. You know, I was thinking about Havelina, but like in the middle of Leadville, I was like, 100 miles this really hurts like i don't know if i could do 300 miles in a year um so Havelina is probably off the table but i'll probably be showing up for um more golden ticket races uh like black canyon or or canyons 100k next season um but we'll see we'll see how the body recovers and uh yeah just stay healthy see how healthy i am and uh keep that fire going for more races awesome man so um as we wrap up then like where can people find you and yeah um on socials i'm on instagram and strava just like jp giblin on strava or jgiblin13 on instagram um but yeah that's about it cool man yeah, well, thanks for the conversation. That was really interesting to hear about Leadville and all the ups and downs and everything that led up to it. That was cool. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully it wasn't too rambly. Hopefully someone <laughs> gets something from this. But yeah, <laughs> working, working on the skills. This is all very new to me, all the uh, exposure. So <laughs> No, you did great. There's a lot of learn or a lot of takeaways from uh, from the conversation today. I think a lot of people will find it interesting and to kind of see you essentially just be like hey i want to be a pro athlete and make it happen like that's, that's super cool and um, i think it's motivating for a lot of people yeah yeah it's good yeah well if i can do it anyone can do it trust me <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the biggest takeaway from the show if you can, if you can do it anybody can do no, it yeah no, no, guys, let's go you can win that lead bill next year just <laughs> They just take a lot of caffeine, a lot of Red Bull into the race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Splash the water in your face and you're good. That's all it takes. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome, man. Um, Yeah. Well, um, next time in Boulder, we'll have to go run. Or if you come down to Arizona, um, we'll have to run sometime. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, the interview. And um, yeah, love the stuff you guys are doing.